Okay, so we are the only panel standing between you and alcohol at six o'clock. So your reward for sticking through is for Brian Calhoun to buy drinks for everybody in this room afterwards. You're welcome. So this is the panel, artists doing deals with tech companies, and we've got a very distinguished and interesting panel of people who, in some cases, are on both sides of the deal, uh, or both sides of deals. In certain cases, people have been on one side earlier in their career and now on the other. And hopefully we can get some fireworks and very useful information for people that are in the situation where they may be doing a deal either as an artist, representing an artist, an entrepreneur, or an investor in a company and looking at what the demands may be. So just to get a sense before we introduce the panel, how many people in here are recording artists? Okay, how many people here are executives or employees of technology companies? Are there any investors in technology companies? No. How many lawyers do we have in the room? No. I've got two colleagues and a former colleague, and all of them refuse to raise their hands. So let me first start the panel. We've got Ian Rogers, we've got Nuveen Jain, Aaron Ray, and Brian Calhoun. I will ask them to quickly introduce themselves but then we'll jump right in. The focus of this panel is not about licensing. It's not about a technology company wanting to get rights to use music or artwork on their websites. This is an artist as a brand and how an artist can use their brand as currency to get equity in a company or other types of consideration and how a company can use an artist brand to get exposure, to seem cool, to reach a new and targeted audience and we really want to provide you with actionable knowledge so that when you walk out of here today, depending upon which side you're on, you know the types of questions to ask, you know how to instruct your attorneys to represent you, and you don't enter into a bad deal. I think in all of these types of arrangements we're talking about with artists doing deals with technology companies, they should be win-win situations. And if they're not, then someone probably hasn't done their job properly. And as a principal in one of those deals, you need to know what those deals may look like, the types of questions that you have to ask, and where the pitfalls are going to be. Because if you don't have that knowledge going in, you can be taken advantage of, and ultimately, you'll be unhappy. So if you can each, we'll start with Ian, uh, everyone introducing themselves quickly. Sure. My name is Ian Rogers, and uh, we have a company called Topspin in Santa Monica that, that builds software for marketing and commerce. Um, I've been working with artists and digital media since the early 90s. So I've been on the artist side and I've, I've been on the, the startup side. This is my sixth startup, so a number of times. Hi, I'm Naveen Jain. I'm the CEO of SparkArt and uh, I'm also partners with Redbox on Redbox Tickets. Um, and uh, much like Ian, kind of work with artists running all their digital sort of elements, whether it's websites or fan clubs or whatever else. And I'm also a serial entrepreneur, and um, I, you know, I'm involved in a number of startups today. We also both went to college in Indiana, which is a little weird. That is true. And actually, Go I Boilermakers. Do, I need to disclose that Nuveen is a Wilson Sonsini client where I work. So my name is Gary Greenstein. I'm in the Washington, D.C. office of Wilson Sonsini. I did not know that he was a client of the firm, but I need to disclose that so you don't feel like I'm tossing him any softballs, which I will do. But, <laughs> but not for SparkArt. Exactly. Eric? I've never heard anyone ever, I've only heard when there's a, there's a conflict, you're doing good. <laughs> so, you know, I've never heard a, a, an attorney recuse themselves. 
My name's Aaron Ray. I'm a partner at The Collective. It's a Beverly Hills-based management company. We represent uh, the likes of Lincoln Park and Enrique Iglesias, Slash, Lannis Morissette, County Crows, um, Stained, Godsmack, Sarah Evans, Big Boy, Kelly Rowland. And I run all the digital and new media for the whole company, including our YouTube uh, studios. We represent several of the uh, top YouTube channels in the world. Hi, my name is Brian Calhoun. I work with an artist management company called The Blueprint Group. We represent Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, T.I., Drake, Hip Boy, Lil Twist, and some producers, and I oversee uh, digital strategy and execution. So let me first start for, the, for Ian and Naveen. Uh, and Ian, think back to when Topspin was just starting. So if you're a technology company that is trying to launch or just about to launch your product or you've launched your product and you're not getting a lot of traction and you want to reach a certain audience or go after a, a demographic that you know artists will reach, uh, what is the benefit of doing a deal with an artist and how do you identify the types of artists that you want to do deals with? How do you say, I want this artist and not this one or this category of artists? What are some of the criteria that you would look to in considering doing a deal with an artist as opposed to, say, targeting VCs? Go ahead. I mean, I think it really depends on what your product is. Um, you know, we were, we were fortunate in the beginning of, of Topspin to work with some, some large artists, uh, you know, whether, and, and some of those artists that were, you know, big of size, Eminem, Paul McCartney, uh, and, and, and a couple of others, they they were they were great artists and of course we wanted to work with them because they have a big audience um, but actually the artist that that did the most for us as a company would was David Byrne um, which m might be not obvious but it was it, it really came down to kind of being you know the right fit for what it was that our product did that was unique um, which was which was really engage uh, a core fan base and that's just something that um, David Byrne was was more well suited for than Eminem um, it turns out at the end of the day. So I think it really depends a lot on, on what, the, what the product is and, and you, have to, um, you have to find somebody who really, who really fits what your, what your brand is about. Well, I also think that um, you have to be very honest with yourself about what your product really is and who your market really is um, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs will chase the biggest artist they can find, but that may not be the right fit for you. Um, and the right fit for your market. So you have to be really honest with yourself. Um, and then you also have to pay attention to the quality of the engagement that the artist actually has with their fan base. Just because an artist has X millions of likes on Facebook doesn't mean that they're actually genuinely engaged with that fan base. Um, so you also have to pay you know, really close attention to it. It's, it's not just quantity, it's quality, and it's about fit. So it's quality in terms of engagement and quality in terms of fit. Yeah. So if you're looking to reach <coughs> a teenage girl demographic, Justin Bieber might be a better fit than Linkin Park. Sure. Depending on Depending the kind of teenage on, girls yeah. you're looking to get. <laughs> and also, hey, I do fine. And, and also depending on what Justin Bieber's actually going to do, because let's be honest, he's in high demand and he's done a ton of deals. He's kind of played out. Yeah, but it's, and it's also you want to find somebody you can work with. I mean, I think part of the problem is, you know, you go in, you know, we worked closely with, like I said, both Eminem and David Byrne, just to use them as, as two examples we worked with around the same time at the beginning of our company. 
Um, and we actually had a great relationship with, with Eminem's manager, but they didn't have a great relationship with their label. So what we were really limited That's in... That's a shock. <laughs> we were really limited in what we could do. So the actual product that we could <laughs> offer, even though you know, we, we had a great relationship, what we did together was actually not really that interesting. Where on the other hand, with someone like David Byrne, who owned everything, including the publishing, I, I could send him an email at midnight which, and, and say, hey man, look, it's your record and I'm not trying to, you know, we'll do it however you want to, but I've got this crazy idea, you know, do you think we could give all these, out, all these tracks away to drive the sales? And he could, as a creative person, come back and, as he did and say, let's try it, right? So you wanna have somebody that you can actually, um, uh, you know, do something meaningful with if you waste a bunch of cycles um, doing a deal with somebody with a big name, but to your point, they're too busy to actually do anything interesting or they're too encumbered with other rights or whatever to do anything interesting, then you, all you've done is waste a lot of precious time. Well, final point on this, I think, you know, it, I think Ian, I ha Ian and I have a unique perspective because we happen to have a good base of knowledge about how the music business actually works. Um, so we know that there's, there may be someone out there called the record company, and there may be publishing, publishing you know, issues and, and other sorts of things that you need to address in order to actually accomplish what you want to accomplish with a given artist or, or artist brand. So you also need to do your homework. If you're an entrepreneur and you don't really understand how all that stuff actually works, you may not be able to get that hot new single play, you know, every time someone loads up your app, you may not be able to get that to happen if the artist doesn't have a good relationship with the label and you're not striking a separate deal with the label and the publisher and you know everyone yeah. else. I mean it's I think it's definitely a shocker for an entrepreneur they do it they have an artist on board and, and they, they want to do something with the song and the artist says oh, oh I've got to ask my publisher. How, how many people here that work for tech companies understand the difference between a sound recording and a musical work and then the relationship and ownership by a record company of the master and a publishing company of the underlying composition? How many of you are working in tech companies and don't understand those differences? <laughs> okay, uh, we'll get to that in a, in a couple of minutes. Let, let's turn to Aaron and, and Brian for a minute and talk about, as a representative of an artist, uh, and you've got a brand that you're building and protecting and trying to expand the revenue uh, streams that are coming in for that artist. It's not just selling shiny plastic discs anymore. It's basically all of those 360 elements for revenue that the label's trying to grab. Yeah. What are you looking for as a representative of an, of an artist in a technology company that you may want to partner with? Is it just the cash? Is it the biggest check? Or are there other things you're looking for? Uh, generally speaking, cash is the last uh, thing that we look for. Um, if, if you're looking to, if you draw a line in the sand and say, you know, here's what's happened in the last three years, where are we going to be in three years? It's very unlikely that the companies that are, you know, ruling the, the space and calling the shots right now are, are going to still be in the same state. So what we are trying to do is find where the business is going, how that can help uh, the particular client go into a different sector, and then open up other revenue streams. But because, uh, you, as you stated before, the 360 relationship, we can afford to... Uh, you know, do many, many different things and recoup that money uh, in merchandise or sales or whatever it may be. But in essence, uh, what we're looking for is a company that's going to succeed and potentially uh, help the, the uh, client penetrate 
you know, whatever markets we're looking for. So that, you know, from a mobile, getting into the mobile space, internationalization, uh, you know, e-commerce, uh, whatever it may be, video on, you know, video on demand, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, um, if, the, if the content is free, uh, you know, I mean, unencumbered, then we are sometimes looking for companies to partner with to get it out there. Um, but most companies are looking to piggyback on our uh, clients' footprint, you know, in essence. And what I would say is um, you're really just sort of renting the pipes as well as the brand. And when you are, when a, an artist is looking at a company and you do that evaluation, are you thinking, will that company succeed on its own? Or are we the secret sauce to get them over that hump to make them successful? And if you take that view, does that drive a greater ask in terms of the consideration back from the company? From my standpoint, uh, we want to be, uh, we don't want to be uh, driving the deal, uh, driving the company. That's, that's what we're, you know, that's what we're giving up. You know, we're, we're hoping that the stewards, you know, the stewards of the company are going to be able to, you know, take it, grow it, sell it, or whatever it is that uh, the plan calls for. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you have a different opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it sort of depends. I mean, I think one of the things uh, that everyone sort of alluded to already is that, you know, uh, a lot of the companies look to come to us to be able to help their product scale quickly. Uh, you know, Little Wayne has 40 plus million likes on Facebook. When you make a post, you, he, you know, does something, you can, you can drive traffic to somewhere and, you know, um, but w with respect to, you know, determining what type of company we want to do business with, it's, it, you know, uh, like Aaron said, it's really not, you know, the, I'm not looking at just like what is the cash, but like, is there a real synergy with the company? Do Does the company provide some type of a product that we have a need for? Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, this, something that's very interesting to me right now is uh, rewards programs and loyalty programs. And how can I do something for an artist's web property uh, whereby which it works across multiple platforms? So it works on the, you know, the CMS on, the, on their website, and it works with uh, across social media. It works across... Brian, just explain what you mean by CMS. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, the content management system. So, for instance, like the, the, the platform that the website is built on, so like WordPress. So... Uh, you know, and then, you know, works with, you know, e-commerce. And so how can I, you know, put things together? Uh, you know, how can I pick a, a, a company or a partner that's going to help me, uh, you know, create a great loyalty program that works across all of those things? This is just, just, just an example. And so, you know, we'll go through an evaluation process and, you know, we'll work with the partners uh, who manage the, 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 the website for us and, you know, what's going to be the best thing to plug in in, in these various places. And we may choose a company that we think is the best company to execute on this, but they may also, we may choose a particular company because we might get a piece of equity in it. And, um, you know, when we, when we talk to companies, it's, I'm frequently looking to find someone that where there's real synergy and we can, you know, if we're looking to get equity in something, we also want to be good partners and know that we're going to be able to help provide some value too. So it's not just about, again, like taking the money and maybe using the platform sort of because you're forced to use it, but let's use it because we need it. We're going to be able to provide some value. And also what I'd like to be able to do is help guide the development roadmap. 
you know, I'm like, okay, your product is great, but I'd really like to see it do this other thing. And, you know, if I'm a real good partner and, you know, it makes sense, then hopefully they'll do those kinds of things as well. So you talk about being a good partner. For those, how many people at tech companies have ever been in a negotiation with a record company where they have demanded equity in your company? So a common practice with a startup is a record company will ask for equity and you'll think, oh, they're going to be a partner of mine, we'll get more favorable terms, this is going to be great. Uh, let's disabuse you of that notion. They, they will demand equity and they will treat you as poorly as everyone else that they do a deal with. When you're, when you're doing a deal with a, a tech company and you're potentially getting equity in that company, are you looking more to be like the record company and you don't care if the company is successful, you've gotten the equivalent of a, an advance and I, you don't care what happens or no. you feel your artists are vested and they want to have I, a mutually I, beneficial? I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, we don't want to be a part of failures. You know, our artists are winners, you know. We're big, we're, our artists are great. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to associate them with companies that fail. And, you know, I think one of the problems that uh, tech companies may face when they go and they say, oh, I'm going to go do a deal with, you know, some of the major record labels is they have this assumption that they've done a deal with the major labels, that the major labels are going to be able to deliver the artists. And they're going to get the artists to post about something and do, you know, show up at an event or something like that. Quack. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, get them to quack. Let's talk. There are lots, there are lots of that, that's the, a very common practice. When you're making a deal with the label, they own the recorded music, they may own the audiovisual, but most of the times they do not own the name and likeness. But they own the artist's soul. They own the artist's soul, but only <laughs> for seven saying. years in the state of California. But the, uh, but the, the, the issue of, uh, of giving uh, uh, equity to labels is, is a fool's errand because they do dangle out our artist's you know, as look at what we've got, look at the shiny toys, look what we can do. And then when the deal's done, it just goes, you know, it's sitting in the back of business affairs somewhere. So, it ha you know, to, to get to a manager, uh, that's the deal place where you need to, to, they can actually make a decision, an informed decision on what type of risk assessment their client has, who the, where the, what kind of money's involved, dumb money, smart money, what, you know, whatever it may be. And then, of course, uh, as Brian said, you don't want to be associated with failure. And so there's a risk to the brand. If the, the brand or the startup is generally looking to tap into your social graph and publicity. So as opposed to uh, a, um, you know, you know, a brand, an artist can talk to the Wall Street Journal as well as send stuff out to their Twitter community or Pinterest or Tumblr or Facebook and uh, do it in the first person. So if they are not participating, uh, or rather if, if they are participating and it fails, then th it's gonna rub off on the artist. Well, so if you're a startup that is serving the artist community, obviously you have to do deals with artists. However, if you're a startup where you're just trying to rent an artist's brand and Facebook profile um, for customer acquisition, then you need to look at it like a business decision. You need to say, okay, I can either go raise more money and drive customer acquisition maybe through other means, or I can give equity to an artist or give warrants or options, whatever, whatever the tool is. And maybe that's a cheaper way 
um, for me to drive customer acquisition, or maybe it has some sort of K factor to it or something like that. Um, so, so really, you know, entrepreneur really needs to go in and, and be treating it like a business decision. A lot of times I, I talk to entrepreneurs who, I'm going to use a term here and it's probably offensive, but I don't care, um, star fucker. Um, so artists, you know, entrepreneurs who, you know, uh, basically just do a deal for the sake, uh, um, you know, who just want to do a deal for the sake of like having little Wayne, you know, as a part of their startup when they don't really understand what the ramifications are. And is it really going to add value? Is it really going to create value? Is it going to be a creative or is it just going to be some, you know, dark pool of, of stock that you, you know, basically just gave away. I mean, and, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs may realize that they made a mistake too late. Um, so that's why I said it's got to, you got to be really honest with yourself about what your goals are and, and who your market is and who your, you know, what the artist can do for you. So. so before we, what I'd like to do next is turn to what deal terms look like for agreements between artists and labels. But first, either Ian or Naveen, if you can explain to the crowd the difference if, if someone is talking about giving an artist equity, what does that look like? Are you giving, what class of stock are you giving? Are you giving warrants and what does that mean? For those people who may not know what they're actually giving up, if you can provide some color to that. I mean, my advice, just practical advice would be, um, as a startup, you-, you Hire a lawyer? We, I, I, that actually definitely would be, you know, the first thing you should do because you should, you know, they're the ones that are, and, and not only that, but your board really should guide you on, on equity decisions. Um, I think you, because you, you want to, you, the, the, the thing that you want to do is you want to be consistent. Um, you know, you can't, it, it just doesn't, if you start giving everybody a piece, then you don't have any, any business left. So um, what I would say is generally speaking, um, don't give equity um, as a rule. And uh, and just build an awesome product, I and mean, that's really the, my best, my most practical advice I'd give to an entrepreneur who who was asking. And I think if if you know in the in the very early stage of the company, if there was somebody who you really thought was going to make, to to really make the company, if you thought it was a company making deal, um, then it absolutely makes sense. But I would do it either in the form of warrants, which means that there's some sort of a trigger in in the equity, so they only end up with the percentage of your company if they actually drive the business. That they were that they promised to drive, um, because then that puts everybody's incentives in the right place. Because I could say, all right, artist, if you're really going to drive two million dollars in business, then yeah, I'm willing to give you some equity, right? Um, but below that, it's not going to make or break my company. I don't think it makes sense. And then everybody is kind of signed up. Everybody knows what the goals are out of the gate. But I actually think a smarter thing to do would be to take someone like Aaron or someone like Brian and get to know them and make them an advisor to your company because they're they're, you know, they're going to be, you know, personally incentivized and happy to have advisory shares. And then you don't have this um uh you know, this this sort of this relationship that's, you know, just set up wrong where it's like, well, what have you done for me lately kind of relationship. You have somebody who, if they're passionate about your company, they'll end up being a steward for your company and it's a little more arm's length. It's cleaner. It, it doesn't, you know, you're not, um, it doesn't touch every, you know, it's not special terms for one person on your platform. You want to have a smart group of advisors around your platform. So I think my practical advice to entrepreneurs would be, first of all, build an awesome product. Don't, don't give anybody equity. If you do, it's got to be a company making um, 
setup and you should only give that equity if, if it comes true. And what I would recommend other instead is to find really smart people in the industry who have expertise in areas you do not and make them advisors to your company. Agree, Naveen? So I, I do agree, but I also think that it, um, it all comes down to your circumstances. So um, as Ian was saying, if you are at a very early stage and maybe maybe you can't you can't raise additional money for whatever reason or you're having a hard time and maybe that artist brand is going to help you achieve your goal in terms of either uh, capitalizing the business or achieving some customer acquisition goal um, or whatever it is then then maybe it's worth considering but if it's not warrants it's de it definitely has to be options that vest over a period of time um, so that you don't end up in a situation where you just give out, dole out a whole bunch of equity, and then if there's non-performance, there's nothing you can really do about it. Um, so, so that's that's definitely mission critical. But I think you got to be really careful with, you know, what are your circumstances? Is this a real business decision? You know, is this something that's actually going to move the needle for me? And if you're kind of, I I, I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who, it's really funny. Um, around here, everyone gives off positive vibes. So if you talk to another entrepreneur in a bar about their startup and you ask them, hey, how's it going? They're going to say, it's going great. But the reality is they might have their back against the wall and they're just being dishonest. Um, and so that's what I'm saying. You gotta be really honest with yourself. And if you need the artist brand to achieve something that's gonna help you uh, either, again, capitalize you know, some with with a with an investor base or whatever an angel group whatever it is then that's cool but you just got to know what, that you're you're giving up something really valuable that you're never going to be able to get back which is you know ownership in your business. So let's talk about what some of these deal points look like. What is the deliverable from the artist to the company in exchange for an ownership interest that a company may give to the artist if you decide to make that decision? So uh, Brian and Aaron, they're in doing deals. A number of these deals, we've had situations where common deliverables would be a certain amount of time that you get the artist attending different events, either meet and greets or backstage uh, events, participation at some kind of board meeting. Uh, who's going to be paying for the artist travel? How is the artist going to travel? Is it first class? Does it include their entourage Private. of their stylist, uh, their, their digital media advisor, Brian Calhoun? You know, you're talking about a startup having to pay first-class hotel for several people, air travel potentially, you know, bodyguards. Uh, if you're doing a photo shoot, how many hours, how many days, where are those going to take place? If you're doing these contracts, you, you want to start thinking about all of these issues. Uh, you know, conference calls with advisors. What are the types of issues that you are seeing, Aaron or Brian, that you're comfortable having your artist agree to? Uh, what type of involvement does the artist have in agreeing to those? Or does the manager make the commitments, the lawyer writes it up, uh, the artist signs it at the end, or someone who is from their furnishing company is actually signing it on their behalf? Let me just uh, push back for a second here, back to Ian and, and, and Naveen's point. I, I, th I think that that's very, very good advice, uh, there, you know, what um, you guys heard. However, there, uh, we, we no people that are coming to my clients. They're coming to them for a reason. And yes, uh, you, I can have some of my clients walk in with you, and maybe it's the 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 VCs that are the star fuckers, 
and they'll write a check just to be able to hang out backstage and whatever it may be, fine. So if we're, we're talking stri strictly business here, we have to protect our brands. Right. So little Wayne, uh, I can't speak for, but let's, you know, Lincoln Park, 45 million f Facebook fans worldwide. Well, first of all, do you even, I know where they are. I know what their engagement level is. I know what their edge rank level is. And, and I'm not going to let it fill up with um, you know, a certain amount of posts or tweets or whatever it may be for some startup that I don't be believe in. So Lincoln Park or Is it Enrique you believing Iglesias, in or is it the artist? Well, Are you I, a gatekeeper? I'm not gonna, the artist, is, it, the, the artist it has a career. I'm, they're not, they're not, you're not getting to the artist without getting through the manager. So that's my job. So the the point of it is is if you know you look at say someone like Enrique Iglesias and people want to move into the Hispanic uh, marketplace or overseas or something like that I'm gonna push back pretty hard I'm gonna he, I, he's gonna have to put himself out on the line he's gonna have to do some work and if there isn't a check there because I can go get a check for millions of dollars for him to go do something else so if you're not talking about the music which is controlled, you know, is controlled by that. And you're talking about name and likeness and someone going out there, getting behind your product and pushing it. I would make the deal. And then I'd say, to be fair, we'll, we'll put in clawback provisions. So if they don't target, then you can pull back. And what do you mean by, a, well, first, uh, can you explain name and likeness for those people? Name and likeness, in, in essence, is <coughs> let's just, for the sake of argument, just say everything but the music. And the merchandise. So, so the, it's so it's basically the, you know, it's the it's the um, all the social footprints. It's their email list. It's all the assets that, that do not belong to recorded music, um, and that uh, includes publishing. Let me just follow up, and I know we got to get to your the question you just asked too. But just uh, you know, to follow up on what what Aaron was saying, you know, it's, it's our job to protect the interests of our clients, the, the artists that we represent. And, you know, we're, we're very conservative about that. So, you know, before you're going to get to them and be able to present to them, you've got to convince us. And, you know, it may be a tall order. And, the, you know, without naming names, you know, an example, we had uh, an artist who did a deal with uh, did a deal with a company, and it was you know they got a check and uh, they were able to use their name and likeness for part of it and you know we had pushed for something bigger and ultimately they decided okay well we'll take this check and uh, we won't participate going forward. Well, within the week of doing that deal and getting that check, the company went clearly had been working on something for a very long time and announced that they were being acquired by this other company. And they, and like literally the headline of the press release was like, you know, company so-and-so backed by this artist uh, acquired by somebody else. And it was like this huge deal that, you know, in most press was not really interesting except for the fact that it had our artist name in it. And, we were furious about it because we had been duped. So it's our job to protect our clients from things like that happening. The other part of that is uh, a if, if you're in a competitive field, you want an edge over your competitors. And how are you going to gain that? So if you're sitting down and making a hard business decision, which is which, uh, you know, I, I think Naveen was really trying to get across, is that you just have got to think about what you 
I, you know, what it is you're trying to get done. But if you're in a very competitive space, you know, you know that say mobile's coming up, it's going to be hot, or social was, or uh, video, and you need that uh, access to someone's social graph or whatever it may be um, to launch you and get you out there, then why shouldn't that be a partnership that you'd be willing to give up equity for? I have a question on that. If artists are mostly doing 360 deals now with record companies, where and by that, uh, the artist get the label gets access to the income stream, all of the income streams from the artist, not just revenue from the sale of CDs or actually the sound recordings. How do you share or notify the record company of these deals you're doing, and what do you do with the equity that you may get in any form? If, your son, if one of your artists has a 360 deal with a label? I don't know any artist of note that you'd want to partner with that, doesn't, that has a 360 deal. I mean, I'm sure there are several, but uh, off the, uh, even extended rights, it's a no-go. So Alanis Morissette, when she came off her label, we provide the services Counting Crows slash Jimmy Cliff, the same thing. We, you know, the, there, there is no... Uh, you know, someone walking in the door getting a brand new deal at Interscope for $75,000 for seven albums or whatever isn't going to move the needle for you. And yes, they will extract a 360 deal out of you. But, you know, that's not, those aren't the artists that I think that people work with. So tech companies don't need to be concerned about whether or not a label is a third-party beneficiary of a contract or trying to extract something from the company because the artist has gotten involved with the company. Yeah. That's really a due diligence question, yeah. though, right? I mean, you know, in the future, probably. I mean, I can't predict which artists are going to blow up tomorrow and whether they're going to be signed to Interscope for that terrible deal or, um, or some, some other record company for an equally terrible deal. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, the entrepreneur needs to do their diligence and understand, okay, can the artist even enter into this agreement? You know, is this entity that is the artist's entity even legally allowed to do the deal that we're about to do and if if they can't then you know that's obviously a critical issue right yeah, the, other, the other point is is that if they made the deal then part the reason why those deals are so onerous is you all you've given over control you know the, you're just you know you've just given over your your ability to uh drive your own future yeah i mean the the, the the manager is really the one who has the 360 deal and and if if there there are you know uh, artists who are on say Warner Brothers um you know has a lot of a lot of artists under 360 deals so then in theory you could go to Warner Brothers and do perhaps do the deal you're trying to do whatever that is but i think to the point we're talking about earlier it, it's it's um and and i guess what what you brought up in terms of the way that labels view those deals it's more likely that you're going to get um you know, that, that there's going to be a deep care about that deal from working directly with someone like Aaron or someone like Brian than there is working with Warner Music Group just because that, that they're probably going to, you know, they are, they are both the ones who are going to do the deal and deal with it on a daily basis and the deal is probably more meaningful to them in the bigger picture than it is in the bigger picture of so, an entire label. Right. One, one thing I just want to say, if you're doing a deal with an artist, you may end up doing a deal with what's called a furnishing company which is an entity created by the artist to loan out their services, so also called a loan-out corp. So you may actually do a deal with a company that then undertakes the responsibility to deliver the services of the artist. 
So you do the deal with that company and then there may be an inducement letter that you have the artist sign where the artist agrees to perform the services for that other company. Um, and that's stuff that you should be aware of. And, and, and I, don't, I don't disagree with, with Aaron's point at all on, you know, if the artist is adding that much value, and I think the way that Naveen was putting it is right, you're really looking at it as a value exchange. And I think that it also really depends what it is. Like, you know, are you paying the artist, or are you, are you getting the artist on the platform to kind of do the equivalent of, of being a user or are you paying to use, are you getting the artist's name and likeness as a marketer of your platform the way that, you know, vitamin water did with 50 cent? I mean, those are pretty different circumstances. So you really have to look at exactly what that value exchange is. So, and, and just to reply to the managers on the panel really quickly. Um, and, and by the way, I'm kind of weird cause I sit in the middle, but um, <laughs> I think let's be really honest with each other here. Artists, are very competitive themselves. If you have a fourth quarter release and you know, you're coming out on any given Tuesday and you've got a bunch of other releases stacked up and you're looking for that edge yourself, that technology that, as Ian put it, that magical product um, that is really gonna move the needle um, for the artist brand, then that, that's where things get a little funky, right? You know, because the artists are competitive. Artists are having trouble moving the needle on their own, you know? Sure, but, so, but, 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 if, but if I've got, if I'm evaluating, you know, seven different companies that do essentially the same thing, I'm, sure. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm going to pick the one that's going to do the best deal, and maybe that's because that one's going to give me equity. Well, but and I here. think they're going to succeed beyond that. Well, hold on. Hold, hold the phone. Are you going to pick the company that's going to do the best deal? Are no, you no, no. It's, I mean, the, the product has to work, and I've got to be comfortable okay. with it and be, you know, and think that the technology is great and think that the, the people who are running the business is great and that it works for me. Yeah. I mean, are but you going to go narrow with the it down to two, If I narrow it down to two of them and both of them meet, the, both of them meet, the, uh, meet that test – and one of them says, okay, I'm going to give you equity. And the other one says, I'm not. <laughs> equity, man. Naveen, yeah, are, are you going to let Brian conduct due diligence of your company? If, if yeah, of course he is. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I'm not going to do the deal. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more sophistication on both sides, I think, in the last year or two um, than what, what was happening. And, that you know, yes, when you're in a competitive environment and, you know, you've got two, uh, you know, you know, two people and it's a bake-off, then yeah, you, you know, like any capitalist, you know, system, you can play one off the other. However, it's so dangerous when you have a successful artist to get into, uh, to divert their core uh, focus into something else. So, you know, when we make some of these deals, the due diligence is pretty strong and deep because if it can derail them, it requires them to... Uh, you know, too much time or whatever it may be, it can hurt their career. So, well, and then let's be I, honest. I mean, your the the roles that both of you guys have are are relatively new things in the industry. That's, that's right. right. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I think it it actually I think it's an improvement. It's definitely helps helps the you know the artist a ton, but I think it also helps the entrepreneur because you have somebody on the other side. But since it's a value exchange, if you have someone on the other side whose job is is strictly to you know, abuse the person on the other side of the table as much as possible. Um, you know that you know without a really fundamental. If you don't have a fundamental understanding of what that value exchange is, it's very hard to do a, a good deal. So I think the fact that the collective has you and these artists have Brian. I mean, look, that's that's a relatively um, you know new thing in the industry. Period. And and 
not everybody you talk to is going to have that. Yeah, I will also say that, you know, when evaluating this stuff, we're looking at, like I was saying before, what's this business going to look like in three years, in five years? When, when you're a manager, you've got to look at, say, the next 20 years you know, of a client's, uh, you know, uh, you know the, their whole ecosystem. And you've got to keep them together. You've got to aggregate their audience. You've got to continue to move it. Yes, you got, you're looking for competitive advantages at every turn, as Naveen said, um, so you're looking for that edge, and it's not necessarily sales, because there's different re, there's different re, re, uh, recoupment mechanisms and stuff like that. So the but no startup, no startup that either myself I do on behalf of one of my artists, or you guys do on behalf of your artists. I mean, these are all relatively short horizon deals in the sense that it's very hard to predict whether the startup you're doing a deal with now is going to be around in. 12 months, 24 months, 36 months. Oftentimes you're doing the deal, you know, and again, I, this is how I look at it from my artist perspective. Yes, Brian, I hear you. If it's a bake-off, you know, and it's two, you know, equal quantities and you're looking at them and it's like one person's going to give a better deal and that deal involves some equity, totally get that. That, But oftentimes that's not quite the, ca quite the case. There are very few situations where it's completely apples and apples compare. There's usually a product that's better um, than another product. Sometimes the product, the company with the inferior product will come and say, oh, but I'll give you equity, I'll give you equity. And it sort of like becomes this sort of situation. But I'm not going to do that deal then. I mean, like they wouldn't have gotten that far. If, like the, if I don't feel confident in the product and their ability to be in business in six months or a year. I mean, you know, one of the questions I ask people is like, you know, what does your funding look like now? Like how much money do you have? Sure. And, you know, how much... Uh, you know, how long is it going to be before you're going to need to raise additional money? You know, and, you know, that's something, you know, that's part of the due diligence process. And that can be done relatively early on. So I think I think you guys are unique, but there's some managers that look at it like collecting baseball cards. Right. Yeah, you're so, right. Okay, and I, so, I think that's a, I think that's a bad approach. So you're right. I there's, feel you. There are artists out there. I know. And their their representatives have like a piece of equity in like 30 or 40 companies or right. whatever. And. You know, I don't know. Are they are they being good partners? Are they providing any value to those companies? You know. Well, let, well, I, let's I, talk about the issue of exclusivity. So, if you are a technology company and you're doing a deal, and you're for a technology company, it may be a pretty big deal if you're giving up equity. Do you want exclusivity for that artist? Do you want them using a competitor's product or in a related market doing something? And how do you, in fact, define exclusivity? Can you say, I will be the only video? Uh, sharing service that you're allowed to use for posting photos from your concerts, et cetera, that you, the artist, in fact, take. So does As that mean you can't use Instagram on Facebook? How, how do you go about defining that scope? Well, as broadly as I can. <laughs> no, seriously, yeah. as broadly as I can get away with. Um, I mean, it, it, look, it's just like any other negotiation in the music business, right? You ask for rights you may not need, and you negotiate as broadly as you possibly can. And any entrepreneur who isn't doing that, especially if they're giving up equity, is doing their, themselves a disservice because that's kind of the game, right? So you try to get as broad of a deal as you can so that you can actually protect this right that you've fought so hard to acquire. Aaron and Brian, are you prepared to have your artists enter into exclusive agreements with tech companies? Or, and do you want them to be very limited in terms of duration or scope? It depends on what the the ask is, but uh, sometimes we're we're in it for a short period of time, and then we become passive, and you know we jump started you. 
Okay, now you know, it's kind of the the old uh, saying: you can't get fired. You know, uh, hiring IBM. You know, back in the '60s, there are certain names that you know. Hey, we've got so and so on, and everyone else will just sort of jump on board. And then you would ask for a sunset clause to go down and allow them at some point to to be uh, f- freer. But but the uh, quid pro quo would should be from the 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 other side. Um, you know, a, a very strong resu- results-oriented um, uh, step, either you know, with warrants that were discussed earlier, or a deal that um, if they don't hit their milestones, you know, they can get out of. But the danger is making a deal with somebody, and as you s- suggested, um, a hypothetical company wants you to only use their platform for video. Um, and then along, let's just say along comes Instagram a month later. They can't use that. Okay, that's that's the point. You know, you have these guys exclusive for a specific category, just like in the advertising business, there are categories like snacks and, you know, and food, cars, whatever. So you're negotiating for exclusivity for that category. So my standpoint is to stay out of the corner, and they're, they're constantly having some ability to get out of the deal but let the other party uh, have that opportunity as well. But there are lots of managers uh, and artists out there that, um, as you referenced earlier, that are just simply, it's a feeding frenzy. And um, they are just collecting the stuff as it was, as the examples were pointed out before. And I would say, what do you, what's going on next? Because do you, does anyone here even know how to use, like if I open up the, the Facebook platform for somebody, um, and they're you know, 30 million, 40 million, 20 million, 7 million, whatever people there. Do you even know where they're at? Do you know how to use them, or do you know what kind of do? I'm shocked at the d- lack of due diligence done on us. Well, I want you to relay the one point you said where someone enters into a deal and only I think you said once or twice someone asked you what, and you expect it in every deal you do, and it's never asked. The due diligence. The the due diligence though of of, of us of meeting of, the artist of the, oh yeah the meeting the artist so they, yeah, there's only been one time when I've had somebody s- say you know before we close I'd like to talk to the artist and that's important if you're doing a deal and all your and you represent the tech company and you're only talking with opposing counsel or the business manager and you're getting all of these commitments from the artist make sure that the artist is on board make sure that the artist is okay with doing all of the things that are set forth in the agreement to provide those deliverables. So, but also make sure they're actually gonna do what it is you need them to do, not just if it's a physical action, but, but to Aaron's point, understanding a little bit about, about their, whether it's your social media profile or whatever it is you need to know, because if you spend all this time and energy and go down the path the artist, A, there's getting them to, to do what you need them to do, but then is it gonna have the result? And I think, you know, I think people get just, you, got, you don't want to just chase the shiny object, yep. right? Because if you, you, it's definitely possible to do something with a gigantic artist that, that doesn't get you what you want. Um, because uh, to Brian's point earlier, I think they're not as connected to their fan base as, as you might have thought they were or whatever it is. Well, let, let me just add questions. We're, we're running out of time. One thing, too, about that is... is Mr. Is Romney, un- we're going un- to un- questions. <laughs> I'm going to shut uh. down PBS. Um, uh, no more Big Bird. But let's go <laughs> Kelly. No, no, Kelly. R- real quick. I just want to say is, is going back to unreal- unrealistic expectations. One of the worst things you can say to me in a pitch 
is, oh man, Wayne has 40 million, 40 million likes on Facebook. Man, we can just get 1% of them to give us 50 bucks. We're, I'm like, man, it's just a terrible way to, to start a conversation. And it's also not understanding what is realistic too in the space. So Kelly? By the way, I have some slightly stupid rolling papers for the best, uh, the, what I was given in the hallway earlier for the best question. So <laughs> these could I, be I'm yours, doing Kelly. I'm with slightly stupid right now, so I'll, I'll pass. Oh, then you're probably already laced with a lot of rolling papers. <laughs> no, anyway, um, I'm, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kelly Richards. Um, I drive deals between tech companies and, and big artists all the time. That's pretty much what I do. Um, that's really, I wanted to pivot off of what Brian was saying and actually what Aaron did too. How important it is to have somebody, if you are a tech company, and I happen to come both from the artist side and from the tech side, and I'm deeply entrenched in the issues for two decades on what both sides want and need. How important do you guys think it is to have somebody that you can work with on the tech company side who has the relationships and understands the importance of doing the diligence and does the diligence for the tech company and, and knows what, where the lines are, the nuances are, what the artists will do, what they, what they won't do, what you're expecting when their meeting happens, all of that. How important is that? I, 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 it's, it's like anything else. So you, you, you want to be in business with the best, yeah. best of breed. So a lot of times you're betting on the, per, on the person, you're betting on the entrepreneur, you're betting on the VC, you're betting, you know, what is their exit strategy? Are they going to be, you know, there's, you know, how smart are they poking around? But like Brian said, if someone comes in and, and they do say that, just like people say, you sell one can of Coca-Cola to everybody in China, you'll make whatever. But you know that just isn't how it works, and it, and when people show that la that ignorance, it it immediately makes me recoil because there's just too much risk involved in putting the brand out there. And there are lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of companies that will give tons of equity because they just they're looking to get into the space, or they're four years down the road, or they're five years down the road, and they need a jump start or whatever, and. You know, frankly, uh, you don't want to be in business with those people. Hopefully, they're represented by Wilson, Sincini, and No Better. Uh, that's a plug for us in our new office in Soma on, what is it, 139 Townsend for all you startups that want to go and get free Wi-Fi, free beer, and, f and access to partner-level legal advice right in an office that you can just walk into. Free partner-level <laughs> yeah, the first 30 minutes. We've got a partner here if anyone needs a meeting right well, I prefer your office on Market Street. <laughs> Other questions? In the back? Hi. I was Can wondering, you state your name, please? And uh, I'm Andrew Antar uh, with Hero.fm. It's like a music marketplace. Um, I was wondering, what is the best way to make deals with artists that's not has nothing to do with equity? You're not signing anything. It's just we want to onboard content onto our platform. We want you to use it because you'll gain a lot of value out of it. Um, and it's, it's not a, a legal deal. It's just... We want you to start using our new platform. Uh, so do, would you talk to the artist directly, the manager, the, the label, or the digital distributor? There's content? sort of a lot of... What, what content are you looking for? Musical, are, like music. So we have the artist labels. pages. Yeah, record upload. yeah that's a, the record labels and the it's a whole different set of deal. That's a different panel. Gary, this is actually this is an important point, though, because... You know, in addition to one of the things that drives me nuts when someone says, oh, we can just get 1% of Wayne's fans to do this or Drake or Nikki or whoever it is. The other thing that is 
you know, is frustrating is when I have to educate someone who's pitching me about how great their product is and they don't understand what the rights are that they need to uh, to have in order to be able to execute and launch their product. So they're like, oh, Brian, oh, we need to get your artists using this. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, and so I said, well, what do they, what will it do? He said, well, you know what we'll do is we'll put the videos up and we'll do the music videos up. And I'm like, well, okay, well, have you done uh, a licensing deal with Universal or Atlantic? Uh, uh, well, no. Can't you do that? So th this, our entrepreneurs cannot be unprepared. They need to understand how the music industry works. But at the same time, they need to um, be focused on, you know, what's really going to move the needle for their business. A lot of the times entrepreneurs that come and talk to me about my artists, like if they want to work with Bon Jovi or someone, they, they, you know, are primarily focused on customer acquisition. That's really what they're looking for is they want access to, you know, like, or Wayne, you know, their, the, the Facebook likes or whatever um, for Wayne. So, you know, at that point, you know, then they don't need rights from the record companies or whatever else, you know, but at, at that point, the entrepreneur needs to also have a good enough um, understanding of their core business where maybe they don't, and this goes back to Kelly's question before, they may not need an expert on the music business. They need, just need to understand it enough themselves to even know what the hell to ask for so that it's reasonable. So you can actually pitch Brian Calhoun and actually get, you know, get somewhere with him versus asking for something completely unreasonable or un unrealistic. We've got two women in the hat right here, two rows behind Linda. Hello, my name is Philly Chaco. I'm, I'm an independent artist. I live here in the Bay Area. And um, uh, my question is, being an independent artist, and we have like some of the greatest managers here, and some tech companies, if you don't have a representation, and you know that you have a good product, and you are marketable, how can one reach you guys? Because most of my fans and friends are like, oh, your type of music is well known in Europe. You'll be better off in Europe. But no, I'm American too. And I live here. I'm part of this society. And I want people to know that I'm here. So, yeah. I think, you've, I think look, companies like ours always want success stories. So, I mean, what I, what I would do if, if, if I were in your shoes and, and you were looking for um, a company to connect to, I would find a company that's useful to you. I mean, to come back to what you know, to hero.fm, the best way for the company to get artists on the platform is to provide a lot of value. So go use, you know, use some company um, at to, to, and, build a, and build a success story. And then that company will talk about you at every chance they get if you, you know, successfully went from being uh, an independent artist to a known artist using their platform. My question is kind of piggybacking off of hers, but dealing more with the local and not established artists. So we're not Wayne, we're not Blink 187. We're, <laughs> we, we're just people out here trying to, trying to make it. Is there a standard of how much we should give up as an artist? How much, is there a set standard, like a set price we should negotiate, a set, is there anything standardized right now? We're on the, are you asking you guys? Well, I'll just answer the question this way. <coughs> This is all about leverage. Who has leverage over whom? If you're talking to an established technology company and you're an up and coming or new artist, you have no leverage. You're looking, who's, who's looking for customer acquisition from whom? Okay, so if you're an independent artist and you're looking at a even mid-sized or larger technology company, you have zero leverage, so you shouldn't be asking for anything, to be perfectly blunt with you. 
Um, if it's the opposite, you know, where it's, you know, a, a no-name technology company trying to approach a massive artist that they think is really going to be a good fit, again, you, you, who has the leverage? That's really what you got. And you got to be honest with yourself about what you're looking for and where do you really stand. So, you know, in that case, you, as an independent artist, you're trying to convince the technology company to bet on you, to invest time and energy into you. And frankly, from, you know, these guys' perspective, I understand their perspective. It's like, you know, they have a limited amount of cycles in the day. They need to be very careful about which technology companies they get into bed with. And yeah, the deal is a part of it, you know, and maybe getting some p a piece of the equity or piece of the pie is important. So I, I respect that too. I think one of the key lessons from this panel, at least my takeaway is, if you're doing a deal, whichever side you're on, make sure you have competent representatives, lawyers, managers, and that is in my self-interest to say that, uh, but lawyers, managers, advisors, you don't want to look back and say, I gave up 10% of my company to the Jonas Brothers. Does anyone listen to their music anymore? What, what did I do? They're coming back. <laughs> I'm not joking. They may be on top. Yeah, they are. I'm not uh, joking. Okay. Okay. So I stand corrected. I shouldn't have used them uh, as an example. But make sure that you are seeking competent advice for the deals you're doing. You, you don't want to have that aha moment later on saying, what did I do? I screwed up. How do I correct this? Do I have to buy out someone because I did a bad deal? Try to avoid that and do your homework and diligence up front. Do we have time for one more question? Who had their... Okay. My name is Gerald Jackson. I represent Seven Channel Music Group. Basically, I mean, I've been sitting in these panels all day, and, like, a lot of the information that I've been hearing is for the established artists. You know what I'm saying? The independent artists, it's so much that we have to do to try to get to the level of you majors. You know what I'm saying? Um, this question actually is directed towards Aaron and Brian. What is the criteria that you guys go through to select the artist, or does the artist have to already be established for you to sign them at, under a management company of your magnitude? I, well, from our standpoint, it's, you know, I, 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 you know, we're structured to handle people that have substantial catalog and, uh, you know, the ability to, to tour, uh, the ability to sell merch. We're structured to be able to handle rights and, and uh, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. You know, the, besides the electronic dance music area, which I think is, you know, it's a separate issue, but it's more, you know, it's not as uh, based off of the um, rights system and, and there's more of an event atmosphere and stuff like that. You know, you, you, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, the, the uh, Spotify's or Deezer's or Sign with Interscope or Do It Yourself, who knows? I think the best, the best thing you can do is make a story like, he, like Ian said. I don't think so. I mean, no, look, no, I, no, I, I think, think there's. Look, I think someone else. To me, like when I look at bands like, like you know, Odd Future, who we work with, right? That's how you do it. You, you, you make music, release music, and people love it, and then, and that cycle happens. I mean, I, and and it, ju it does. The job doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that often. Um, but you know, Odd Future went from having no leverage to you know having a TV show on Comedy Central in a couple of years. It does happen. Um, when it really connects with an audience, and, and, and unfortunately, that there's 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 no technology company that really shortens that path. Let's uh, if people need advisors, I don't know if Ian and Naveen uh, serve as advisors, informal or otherwise, to companies, or Brian and Aaron uh, will give advice. But if people can give their email addresses so that people can reach out if they have questions and want to follow up, Brian, you want to start? 
Mm, yeah, sure. It's uh, briancalhoun at gmail.com. Pretty simple. Mine is ray at thecollective-la.com. I'm Naveen at sparkart.com. I'm Ian at topsandmedia.com. And Twitter's maybe even a better way to reach me. If you app, I'm more likely to reply to an app reply than an email. I don't quack. <laughs> so and I'm G, an email. G Greenstein at WSGR.com. Thank you all for coming. Your, hold on. What's your Twitter handle? Ian? I, oh, Ian CR. I A N C R. And Brian Calhoun. Thank you all for coming. Thank you to the panelists. And thank you for Brian for putting on the conference. Thanks for doing it.